Welcome to Take Your Lead Podcast with Mzwandele Makakula, a podcast that seeks to empower you to take charge over your personal growth, development, as well as your emotional well-being. Welcome to Take Your Lead Podcast, where we empower you to take charge of your personal growth, development, as well as your emotional well-being. I'm super excited and honored on this beautiful episode to be joined by an incredible leader, uh, an incredible voice to nations. Podcast family, this is pure gold. You definitely don't want to miss this podcast. So make sure you get your pen, whatever it is you're using to take down your notes. It's going to be an incredible ride, which will add great value to your leadership potential. And if you're a person of faith, to your journey with the Lord. I'm joined in studio this beautiful day by a member of the senior, or rather who was a member uh, of the senior management team of HP South Africa until December 1997. I'm just giving you a background profile of the phenomenal guest that I have in this beautiful episode. Pastor John entered full-time ministry as a ministry leader, pastor, and Christian educator in January 1998. After serving faithfully as members and senior leaders in their local church for 19 years, talk about consistency and faithfulness, John and his wife Sharon went on to become founders and senior pastors of Heritage of Faith Churches in Johannesburg and Whitbank, South Africa. John and Sharon have been married for 38 years and have a dynamic ministry to encourage, restore, and increase joy in relationships. John is also the founder of Heritage of Faith Bible Institute and Leadership Academy and Heritage School of Ministry, of which there are now over 20 schools around South Africa and United States of America. He's also the founder of Heritage Institute of Commerce, providing curriculum and DVD-based learning for Christians in business. John has always been passionate and active in educating believers on enjoying God how to successfully live your faith in business and life, personal financial improvement, and how to enjoy God's best in relationships. Pastor John, welcome. Thank you very much, Wanzili. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time and being part of our podcast episode. I know it's going to be one that will add great value to us. Thank I'm actually you. going through your profile and your bio which is so amazing. I think over and above, what I honor a lot about you is your heart and the love that you have for people. Maybe just to dive into our podcast episode, can you please maybe just tell us more about yourself? And I also spoke of how you transitioned from corporate management into full-time ministry as to how that journey is. And we'll talk more about where you are now, but just maybe a bit of background as to who you are and how that journey has been. Thank you, Nzondile. You know, uh, when I was growing up as a, as a child, uh, a little boy, I grew up in the house of a pastor. Wow. And so my pastor, uh, my dad was my pastor. And uh, I later came to realize that when I was born, his first words that he declared over me was, and he spoke to my mother and he said, this is, this is our preacher. Wow. Those were the first words that he said when I was born. Wow. So when I was a young man, I, when I, even when I was at school, um, 
and uh, playing soccer on the ground on the playground mm-hmm. and doing stuff. I always had the sense of God's got a, a hand on my life, mm-hmm. you know. And so for me to transition from from various uh, seasons of my life, from school life to military life, from military life into corporate life mm-hmm. and serving in a church at the same time in all of those things, uh, for me, there was always an underlying knowledge and mm-hmm. a purpose that my assignment was to serve God as a full-time, fivefold minister. Wow. And I use those words because uh, I, I know you know this, Zwandili, that that you can be a full-time minister in the hands of God wherever you are. Yeah. But for me, full-time also included a fivefold calling gift, mm-hmm. uh, which was at some point to manifest itself when the time was ready, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, my pastor at the time when I was in, in a very large church and served him for 19 years, yeah. they recognized the call of God in my life. They recognized wow. the gifting that was on me and wanted me to join the ministry yeah. to help them solve a problem. Wow. But, uh, you know, solving a problem is not the right reason to go into to ministry. ministry. Wow. You know, if you go into ministry, it's got to be God's plan, God's timing, God's purpose. Yeah. And so he, when that time came, the, he told me when it was, and then I was ready to go. And I, and I was released with the blessing of my pastor. I was released um, in the proper protocols and the orders of God's kingdom. Wow. And so I, if I have to say anything about transition, <laughs> I would say that any transition you make needs to be in the order of God. Of God. And then it's always blessed. Wow. Maybe just to backtrack a bit. Um, Unfortunately, I had the privilege of knowing your father. Uh, He taught me um, in Bible school, incredible man of God. Actually, have a lot of lessons I can share from the interactions we had with him, especially from the rich heritage when he spoke about Pastor Bengu and Spring Valley and that whole world. Uh, Maybe what are some of the things that he did to nurture this gift of God? You mentioned that he said that this is the preacher of the family. Mm. Practically, what role did he take in terms of ensuring that he keeps you uh, in the path of becoming all that God has called you to be? I think the greatest the greatest gift that I learned from my dad was that um, he was, in his fivefold ministry gift, mm-hmm. he was always active okay. and he was always focused on it. You know, some things my uh, people don't know about my dad you know, when he was alive was that he had an incredibly beautiful voice. Wow. He could sing wow. with the best voices in wow. the world. And, and when he was a young man, actually, people um, in, in, in a commercial music sense would seek him, uh, wow. seek, him and want, seek him out and want to do sign contracts with him wow. for, for them to be recorded on their labels because they believed he, I mean, it's hard to describe it, but he had a voice that was perhaps similar to Elvis. Wow. You know, um, that kind of a voice, voice you know. Yeah. And so he, he definitely had the capability of going into the music world mm. and, and uh, labels were after him and, and wanted to sign him to, as a voice, you know. Yeah. But, of course, that, that was so uh, unimportant to him. Mm. He, I mean, he made those years, he made <laughs> records and, he, you know, he, 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 he did all that stuff but was produced on Christian labels 
but it wasn't about the label or the or the selling of the records that was for him. Mm-hmm. It was about his commitment to serving God through his fivefold oh, calling. Wow. And so, you know, growing up watching someone yeah. that had an alternative, <laughs> yeah. but stay with the gift wow. of God and wow. what God was calling him to do. I mean, I think that's the biggest lesson that he taught me, you know. Wow. Yeah. I love that committing to the path of God even though you've got a different alternative yeah. because it's not a plan B kind of thing yes. that I'm doing it because this is not working yes. but I'm doing it because I feel called to it. Right. That's amazing. Right. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that. And, and thanks for many mentioning my dad and bringing him into this conversation, into this conversation yeah. because he was a really special man and wonderful man. Incredible. Yeah. Thank Incredible. you. Incredible. Thank you so much for that. I love how you said he actually lived it out. Yes. Uh, yes. Maybe while we are around that neighborhood maybe towards the space of leadership and the importance of visualizing uh, the example, uh, leadership being visual in mm. terms of how beyond what he said, it's what he did that impacted you greatly. Mm. Uh, in the in the in the era that I was a young man and my dad was in the in the ministry, um, in those years, the church as a whole mm. was very um, uh, rewarding of revelation knowledge and people that were able to bring great revelations to the church were very highly valued you know and of course also if people had uh, were used mightily by god in healings or revivals you know those it was a fairly limited sort of area in which the church operated in those years you know and so uh, um certainly my dad embraced the study of the word mm. and for him uh, to to continuously have more revelations about about Jesus and the body of Christ and how to make that living relationship mm. real yeah. you know yeah. he really he really uh, was very committed to that wow. and so as I grew older, um, there were things that were in the church at the time that my father was, uh, uh, he was susceptible to. Mm-hmm. And some of those things were like, you know, prosperity wasn't talked about in the church. Yeah. Money wasn't talked, talked about in the church. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of things that were sort of not on the table <laughs> yeah. in the church of those days, yeah. you know. So, of course, when I grew up and I became connected to that message and to having a fuller experience of living in life, then actually my dad started to recognize that there was things that I had learned that he needed to learn. Wow. And so even though he was, he was my dad and in every sense of the word, he honored him and respected him for that. He also recognized that in his growth season, you know, there were things that, that he could learn in his older years, you know? Wow. And so, um, certainly having, having, uh, someone in your life that has got great revelation, um, is, is very, very, very powerful. And there were many decisions that I made in my life where I would go and seek his counsel, <laughs> you know, yeah. and ask him and say, here's what the Lord is wanting me to do. Mm. Do you witness with it? Mm. Are you in agreement with it? Yeah. What, do you, what do you say about it? And so. Well, maybe I, I love that. Uh, I love how he had the ability of, even though he was older, but he had a heart 
and recognize the difference even in his son to be willing to learn. Maybe speaking to, because maybe part of the podcast um, audience is young people. Mm. Uh, what would you say to young people in terms of having the ability to learn from those who have gone ahead of them? Maybe speaking to that, uh, maybe also within the neighborhood of how, what are some of the traits that someone who wants to become a better leader yeah. and wants to do better and wants to take control of their, their lives and move towards the path that God is calling them? What are some of the steps maybe you'd encourage them to take? It's a big question, <laughs> but a very wonderful question. Yeah. And, and uh, I'll do my best to answer it in as short a time as I can. But um, certainly, I think one of the biggest challenges that the younger generation has mm-hmm. is that there is so much information yeah. that they have available to them yeah. so quickly, yeah. you know, that um, if, you, if you respect information or you value information, yeah more than you value relationship. Wow. Then then actually you don't look to relationship wow. for information. You wow. look you just look to whatever platform, sure. whatever vehicle, whatever way you can get information. Sure. So then how you apply that wow. information becomes a personal a personal choice. Yeah. So if if for example if if you're a young mother and you want to if you want to uh, know what it how to feed your kid, mm. what's the best food to feed your kid. Yeah. You can go onto the internet. Yeah. You can go and get all kinds of people talking about all kinds of nutrition, yeah. all kinds of stuff, and you can, you can get a lot of information. Yeah. But how you apply that information wow. is now my personal choice. Yeah. I'll take a little bit of this, I'll take a little bit of that, I'll mm. choose a bit of that person, yeah. and I'll throw those blends together yeah. and I'll do what I want to do. Yeah. So when you do that, it has the danger always of elevating you. Wow. So because information is available and it's good information, you become the ultimate judge of what's good. Wow. And what's good for you. Whereas relationships, if that's what you value more highly, Mm. what happens is that you can learn all that information. But if you take that information to a relationship Mm. and you say, here's what I'm learning. Wow. What what is it that I can, and how do you see this information, mm. and how do you uh, assimilate this kind of information, yeah. and is there anything that you see about what I'm wow. learning here that wow. might cause me to have wow. challenges? Then what wow. you're doing is you're you're giving honor to a relationship wow. rather than to yourself. Wow! And so, the minute you do that. You know, you you begin to say, "I'm valuing relationships more than I value." just information, then you're already improving yourself as a leader because what you're doing is you're saying, I'm capable, but I choose to submit to someone else's value that they've got. The minute you can submit to a person that can bring value to your life, you, you start to move into leadership because Jesus said, You can't actually, to his own (laughs) disciples, you can't lead unless you learn to submit Mm. to me Mm. and allow me to serve you. Mm. You know, so even though I'm the greatest, you must allow me to serve you. Wow. If you don't allow me to serve you, you can't have a part of me. And so they were saying, no, 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 no. (laughs) You know, we must serve you. And he's saying, no, if you can't learn to let me serve you. Yeah. Then, then you have no part of me. Yeah. And so that's the way you, you can grow. And I think that's the biggest yeah. challenge of a young generation. Yeah. Yeah. So much information, yeah. so much I do it the wow. way that I can choose. Wow. Because there's a lot of voices out mm. there. 
Shucks. Podcast family, um, uh, please take a moment and rewind like four minutes. That's pure gold. Uh, what Pastor John just shared there is life-changing. Relationship above information. Yes. Wow. Uh, I think that's so good, especially for us as young people, because you mentioned we have all this information at our disposal. We can literally go uh, to Google and have all this information. But with application, it needs a certain relationship that you value that can give something that you don't have. Mm. That's amazing. Thank you so much uh, for that. Um, just to backtrack as well a bit, uh, you spoke something, especially with your upbringing, about being in the military space, mm. uh, corporate, and then into full-time ministry. How has the military background shaped the person that you are and what you do now? What are some of the disciplines possibly that you've learned there which have made you this incredible leader that you are today? Thank you. That's a, <laughs> that's a question from a distant past, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, certainly in the military, I, uh, you are in your, in your natural human being space, you're yeah. forced to be disciplined. Yeah. In fact, you're punished if you're not disciplined. Yeah. And so whilst, whilst I think it's always better to choose discipline for yourself, yeah. if discipline is a challenge for you, then you should find some way of actually someone challenging the discipline in your life yeah. and certainly the military did that for me yeah. it really it really uh, uh, set me up in in many ways to be disciplined um, in my thinking disciplined in my focus disciplined in my habits uh, and that's a and that's a good thing most of all the biggest thing I learned when I was in the military is that if you really love God Mm. You can serve him in the hardest of places. Wow. And you can serve him with the most challenging persecution. Wow. And and I was very, very persecuted for my faith in the military. Wow. Until until we we got into situations that were life threatening. And sure. the minute that happened, um, it's amazing that that people want to turn to God. <laughs> and then they and then if you've been living as a true believer without compromise amongst pe people. Mm. When times get tough, they will turn to you because they know that you are, you are serving God with conviction. Conviction, yeah. You know, and there's a lot of Christians out there that say, as long as I'm connected and I want to identify with the people in the world, well, they they're not so. For the while, they might say that's good, you know, identify yeah. with me. But yeah. really, they're looking for people with passion and yeah. conviction. Yeah. Because the time's coming, they're going to get into a hard time, yeah. and then they're going to turn to the person who's got conviction and passion. Yeah. 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 Um, um, it, it leads us into this next um, question that I have as to what are some of the daily disciplines and uh, essentials in your day um, that you would encourage, daily routines that cause you to be successful? Because I think success is not a event, something that yes. you do by chance or you stumble into, but yes. it needs discipline, which you mentioned you also learned from the army. Yes. To date, what are some of the disciplines and daily routines that keep you consistent on the path that you are on? So... Um I guess uh, you and every Christian, depending on the sphere of life where you're at at a given time, you will have different priorities. And so your daily disciplines have to reflect your priorities. Yeah. Um, when I was when I was a, a, a young man, uh, divorce was a big big issue in 
that was emerging in the church. Mm. It was happening a lot in the world, yeah. but actually it was emerging in the church as a, as a big problem as well. And there was no distinction between a, a married Christian and a married non-believer. Yeah. People were just getting divorced all the time. Yeah. And so it was a high priority for me to say that I never married my wife so she could be my ministry partner. Mm. I didn't marry my wife so she could help me make money. I didn't marry my wife so she could carry my kids. Yeah. I married my wife because of who she is. Wow. I fell in love with her. Wow. I didn't fall in love with what she, she could do, do for me wow. and what she can partner in life with me about. Wow. And so, and so what I did was, and the Lord spoke to me very strongly about this. Mm. And he said, I want you to love your wife as Christ loves the church. And I wow. want you to give yourself up for her. So in those early years, the, min, the, the military helped me to be focused and disciplined on doing that word in my marriage. Wow. So we've been, as you rightly said at the beginning of the show, we've been married nearly 40 years now. Yeah. And sure. I'm still... I'm, I, I'm still having the time of my life with my wife. Wow. We are, we are, in every sense, we are enjoying our marriage to the greatest, highest level. Wow. In fact, we, we, we are enjoying each other more now than we did then. Wow. You know, and it's, and it's, 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 it's because the Word of God has done it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that was a high priority. Mm-hmm. Then when we had children, of course, we had, our priorities had to incorporate that. So I had to spend time with my children mm. because, again, when I grew up in the church, I don't think it's anything re- less relevant now. Yeah. I think it's as relevant <laughs> yeah. now. But um, uh, in those days, it was uh, I, I didn't want to just send my kids off to school and, and then I see them because I was in the corporate world and I see them a couple of times in a week, maybe, and then <laughs> and then I have a little bit of time with them on the weekend. Yeah. I really wanted to grow up with my kids. Wow. You know, and I use those words like that because <laughs> I wanted to grow with them. with them as they were growing. I wanted to grow with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that was a high priority. Of course, you know, for me it's a no-brainer. You got to spend time with God every day. Yeah. And you got to you got to make time in your way. Yeah. You know, um, there were many days in my in my corporate world and trying to keep my priorities balanced. There were many days when I found myself spending time in prayer in my car. <laughs> there were many days when, uh, as my responsibilities grew, and I became a senior executive, and I had more people resp- reporting to me, and I had bigger numbers that I that I was responsible for in terms of money. Mm-hmm. There were just seasons in your life when you were doing budgets or USA someplace was yeah. looking for information. There were just some place, sometimes when you were just working 18 hours a day. Sure. Just, it was just, you couldn't get away from it. It was what was required mm. for, for a week, for 10 days, whatever the case. Uh, I would still make time, whether it was in the car, mm. whether it was, you know, um, uh, just spending 10 or 15 minutes before I left for work, yeah. connecting with the Lord. Wow. And now as a minister, I think it's even more critical to do that, you know, to connect with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, I think your priorities will guide your disciplines. Wow. Um, and and so uh, I one at one time I used to say this: if I have to choose between ministry and marriage, mm-hmm. I choose marriage. Wow. I don't choose the ministry. <laughs> ministry. Um, that's how important the success of my marriage was. Wow. And of course, the Lord t- began to speak to me, and He said, "John, I didn't call you to marriage." I called you through marriage. Wow. And so and so what that did for me was it said, okay, I don't have to choose. And he was quite clear with me. Hmm. I don't want you to choose between your marriage and the ministry ever. So they must live together. So but you need so you're not called to marriage. In other words, don't feel like you ever have to leave your marriage hmm. if ministry gets too much. Hmm. But you are called through your marriage. Wow. So your marriage must be a reflection of what your church and the people that you look, that the Lord wants you to minister to, mm-hmm. must look like your marriage looks. Wow. So. Sure. Yeah. That's a big idea. I wish we, I think we'll have more time just to unpack that because it's a beautiful um, narration of how God called you through marriage. Yes. And how you don't have to choose. Yes. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, there's something you mentioned about how priorities inform how you use your time. Mm-hmm. And part of uh, what you do is the Bible Institute and in third year Leadership Academy, which I was part of, which really added great value to my leadership development. Uh, we'd watch videos where you would teach. And there's a beautiful principle to date. Uh, I emulate it, I teach it, I live it. Uh, the Leadership Triangle, mm-hmm. which has the base, which is personal leadership, uh, the second tier is public, public leadership, leadership and then purpose, purpose. leadership. Yeah. Uh, please take us through that beautiful model as to how it looks practically, uh, because I love how the base is actually personal leadership and everything else just comes on top of that. Yes. And, and again, Nzwandili, you know, um, uh, growing up in a time of the church where I felt where certainly in my time with God, I, I Everything was about as long as you have a purpose yeah. and you and you and you're in your calling, yeah. that's all that matters, yeah. you know. And so, uh, I saw a lot of, and it was a th- it was a thing. If you were a preacher's kid, yeah. it was almost like a label that you got. You're going to be rebellious, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, because preachers' kids were never in church. Yeah, you know, the preachers' kids were always re- the biggest rebels around town. Yeah. So part of that was because. Because ministers at that time said, uh, you know, my ministry is everything. I've only got a limit of time on the earth. I've got to get as many people saved as I can. I've yeah. got to give my all to the church, to the people, to the everything. Yeah. And so my marriage can wait and my kids can wait because yeah. I've got to do the ministry. Yeah. You know, and, um, and, I, and I saw so many people's personal lives just collapse and go into chaos. Sure. Um, and and so I really began to seek the Lord, and I said, Lord, this this is this is not you. This is not your desire for for people. And and when I started to really engage with the Lord on that, He showed me that that pyramid of personal leadership. How everything that you do in your life, yeah. all your giftings, all of your callings, all of your assignments, your purpose, whatever you want to call it. Is built on that personal leadership, mm. and if you if you keep going back to personal leadership as the substance of your life, yeah. it will always make your public leadership more relevant. Wow! Always, 
because your personal leadership is something that people can see, they can touch it, they mm. can taste it, mm. they can they can acknowledge it, mm. they can press against it, <laughs> yeah. and it will stand the wow. test. And so when that happens, people, your public leadership, it just thrives, yeah. and it and it expands and it grows. Mm. And then purpose leadership. Um, obviously has got a better chance of succeeding in your purpose wow. when those two are given the platform. And, and so, of course, when, I, when the Lord gave me that, I said, well, I need to see it in the Word, so show me in the Word. Yeah. And, of course, he gave me Jesus' life, you yeah. remember? <laughs> yeah. He gave me Jesus' life where Jesus' personal leadership was 30 years. Yeah. His public leadership was three, three years. years. Yeah. And his purpose was three, three days, days and nights wow. in death when God raised him up. And so, of course, you know, that to me is like, everybody's living, I've got to be in my assignment, I've got to be in my purpose, and if the quicker I get there, the better it is. <laughs> yeah. But what's happening to your personal leadership? Wow. What are you sacrificing on that journey? Oh. You know? Wow. And so if you get to 45 or 50, you say, yeah, look at how much I've done for God. But you're divorced. Yeah. Your kids don't know you. Yeah. And and that, and you're sick and you've got hypertension yeah. and you lots of all that stuff you know. <laughs> so what's the point? Yeah, you know. Wow, I love that. Who you become is very important than what you get. Yes, I love the the the, the example of the thirty years, three years, and three days. Yeah. and I think um, it's just how it flows. I love that. Maybe just a question on the spot. Uh, fill in the blank. Leadership is uh, just fill in the blank to you. How would you define leadership? So leadership is. Knowing God, wow. That's if if that's if that's the simple answer, then leadership is knowing God, because uh, wow. uh, just recently I, in one of my messages I said, wow. um, if if you had to ask anybody in the world who wow. was who's the smartest person that ever lived, who is the smartest person, they might say, well, it was maybe Einstein, maybe Edison, maybe <laughs> they, they could give you names of people yeah. that have achieved really amazing things, yeah. you know. But the smartest person that ever lived on the earth was Jesus. Jesus. Because, because everything Jesus said was what the Father said. Everything that he did was what the Father did. Wow. So because the Father is the source of all brain power. <laughs> wow. You know? So if the Father is the source of all brain power, yeah. then, then it's not how I can figure out, you know, <laughs> EMC squared, <laughs> or whatever that is. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. not what brain power is. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I respect scientists. And yeah. I respect what people do with their brains. Yeah. But at the end of the day, leadership is knowing God. God. Uh, because if you know what God is saying, if you know what God is doing, if you know what God wants you to do next, yeah. uh, that's you know there is there is absolutely nothing more perfect than that. Wow. And so whatever that is, you become a leader because there is nothing else that's more important than obeying the will of, of God. God. Wow. That's incredible. That's, that's really incredible. Maybe as we bring in our plane in for landing, um, more a personal question. What area have you invested your time in that has given you a high return on your investment? People. Wow. People are my best and greatest investment. And it started as my investment in my wife. And the more I, you know, at the time when I met my wife, uh, you know, I had, I had so many, such a landscape of opportunity in front of me. Mm -hmm. I was playing, I was playing soccer at the time, <laughs> f 
for what's now known in, in the South African Premier League as the Clever Boys. I was playing for Wits. Wow. So Wits wasn't in the Premier League at the yeah, time. Okay. They were in uh, two divisions below the Premier League. Wow. But I was playing for, for Wits at the time. But, um, and so, you know, I, I said to my wife, you know, come and watch me play soccer. <laughs> she said, well, I didn't come. To, I didn't marry you so I can sit and watch you play soccer. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, she said, I married you so that I can get to know you and you're spending all your free time playing soccer or we're at church or we're doing something else. I want to know you, yeah. you know. So I said, so what? She said, well, I'm not happy that you're playing soccer. So I said, okay. I said, Lord, what did I do? He said, quit. <laughs> I said, all right. So then I started watching soccer on TV. And then she said, I don't ask you to quit soccer to say that you can watch it on TV. <laughs> so, so I said, so what do we do? She said, let's sell the TV. Sure. So I said, what do I do, Lord? He said, sell the TV. You see, now my friends, they were all saying to me, where's your backbone, John? Yeah. You know, your, your wife is, is, is running, the, is running <laughs> your like life. You show, know? Yeah. Everything she says, you give up, you know? <laughs> But what I was doing was I was obeying the word of God, which said I must love my wife as Christ loves the church and give up myself. So anything that was important to me, mm. I needed to put it on the table mm. and not ask for anything in return. Mm. And a lot of people think, especially in our modern day world, that if you invest in a relationship mm. or invest in people, mm. you must get a return. Yeah. Well, actually, Jesus didn't do that. He wow. came to say, I'm going to invest in relationships and whatever you do with it, I'm going to trust the Father mm. to work with you. Wow. And, and whether Judas, whether you're a Judas <laughs> and you betray me, whether you're a Peter that betrays me and then comes back, yeah. whether you're a disciple that runs away from me and then comes back, mm. I'm going to still invest in the relationship wow. and I'm still going to give this everything I've got, wow. everything that the Father tells me to do. Wow. Because ultimately, it's not about whether I can build a building, whether I can have a big church, whether I can do whatever. Mm. If you don't have meaningful relationships yeah. in your life, yeah. then, the, then the buildings become empty. Even though they may are full. full. Full buildings become empty without relationships. relationships. Sure. Yeah. That's pure gold. Uh, maybe to someone who you mentioned that you invest not because you expect something in return. Mm. You mentioned Peter and Judas who mm. betrayed our master. Yeah. And maybe someone who's invested in relationships and they feel like I'm Investing, but I just keep getting betrayed or not yes. getting their return. Uh, what would you say to someone like that who finds themselves in that corner? You know, uh, I guess I'm going to liken this to tithing. Yeah. When I was growing up as a young boy, tithing was never questioned. Yeah. So when I grew up as a young adult and I and I was earning my own money, it yeah. was never an issue for me. Yeah. But I discovered that people would come into my life that didn't have the same conviction conviction yeah. because because it wasn't so as much part of their life as it was in my life. Yeah. So they struggled more with it yeah. than I did. Yeah. You know, for me it's like, of course God said it, I must obey it. There's yeah. no not even a question about yeah. it, you know. And and I found that with relationships, um, you have the spectrum of people uh, that are are at different levels of their life and different understandings yeah. uh, about various different uh, issues in Issue, life. Yeah. And so um, 
I would say that if you're investing in relationships, you need to be mindful of what what part of this person are you investing in mm. and what part of, of that person is investing in you. you. So it's, I'm not doing it to get anything back, but um, I think we assume that, for example, um, if you're if you're engaging with a, someone in your church, yeah. for example, yeah. that that you see as a potential leader, yeah. so what you're seeing is them in a leadership role, in a function yeah. in the church. Yeah. So if you're mindful that you're investing in that, you know, then you, then obviously that becomes your evaluation of of a return, return on investment. Yeah. If you see it that way. Yeah. I've, I've come to realize actually that um, if people are prepared to hang around you long enough, they will find things out about you that they will willingly want to receive in them. Wow. And so, and so uh, you know, I, I know ROI, return on investment, is a, is a big subject in leadership and in finances and yeah. everything but uh, but Jesus didn't quite see it that way you yeah. know um, uh, he took five loaves and fishes and he he made a huge investment <laughs> you know yeah yeah but but there was nothing really there that he okay. expected back you know wow and uh, I, I think one of the telling moments uh, one of the telling moments uh, that's really big for me is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So uh, if you just bear with me for a minute, yeah. Jesus is 12 years old and his mom and dad leave town yeah. and they're going away yeah. and Jesus is stuck in town in the synagogue, you know, and they come back after looking for him for three days. What are you doing to us? <laughs> you know, what are you doing to us? And he's 12 years old and he says, don't you know I must be about my father's Father business? business. Now, if you just fast forward that relationship yeah. to now he's entering into his ministry. Yeah. He's done no miracles yet. Yeah. And he's had a wedding feast with his mother. Mm. And his mother says, they've run out of wine. Wow. And, and so he says, woman, what is this to do with me? My time has not, not yet come. come yeah. So she says, Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Do it. So she, she had grown in the relationship from the 12-year-old boy that said, I must be about my father's business. So when she said to him, do something about this problem, solve this problem yeah. because of your relationship with, Jesus, with the father, father, she had grown in knowing who wow. Jesus was and who he was going wow. to become now. So. And in her heart, she, she said, this relationship so. is now going to work because even though you say it's not your time yet, I wow. know the time has come. Wow. And so there's this mutual understanding so. in the relationship where return on investment is, I think, I mean, I understand why you use that <laughs> yeah. word, you know. Yeah. But I don't, I don't see it wow. that way. I've had many people leave my life yeah. that I've invested in. Yeah. And some of them, I don't know what they've done with the investment. Yeah. Some of them are, are flying with that investment. Yeah. Ultimately, I only have to account to God for God. it. Wow. And that takes, and that takes a, lot of, 
settling yourself in your assignment. So, you know, Brother Jerry Savelle, who's my mentor, you know, and who's my spiritual leader, he's had that a lot in his life. Of course, he's been in in the ministry for 51 years. And he said to me one day, he said, John, I cannot afford to actually have any future relationships based on the fact that other people that I invested a lot in just left my life. He said, because if I approach new relationships that way, then I will always be suspicious. Sure. And I will always feel like I'm going to be betrayed sooner or later. Yeah. You know. And he said, so I can't do that. I've got to always walk in the pure love of God in every relationship that God brings to my life. That's so powerful. Mm. So powerful. Again, podcast family, the past six minutes or so, pure gold, that revelation you spoke of about how Mary grew into knowing her son is just amazing. Um, I just want to pull something before we conclude uh, within the relationship that you have with your spiritual leader, um, Brother Jerry, you mentioned. Um, How does it look practically for you having invested into that relationship uh, over years? um, I've seen how you've related with him and it's been a beautiful journey, which not only benefits you, but us and the city, the Bible school and everyone around you. The rewards that come with that investment that you've made into that relationship. I mean, that's a very, very uh, challenging question, Nzoandili. I'd go so far as to say this, that... For me, if God has told you to be in a relationship with someone until he tells you to leave, sure. there should never be a reason to leave. Sure. Never, 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 never. There is no, no reason good enough sure. to leave. And of course, I've, ah. been, I've been connected to Brother Jerry since 1997, sure. 96. Since 1996 when God divinely orchestrated a situation where we knew we were connected together. Yeah. 1996, so that's 24, yeah. nearly 25 years ago. And uh, for, for sure, we've had opportunities on both sides of the, of the relationship yeah. to, to walk away from the relationship. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but I have this, this very strong, very strong belief that there is a, that there is a, you, you know, you could call it loyalty, yeah. but loyalty is such a, a, a such a under, undervalued word. It, it, is, it has, it immediately creates a label yeah. because to me, the relationship is, is a God-ordained relationship. relationship yeah. so, so loyalty is, is just part of the, it's just part of the package. Yeah. Obeying God in the relationship is the most important. So I, I'm going to, and we can, if this is when you need to close, you just tell me and we'll close. I can talk for a long time, Zwandili. But uh, some years ago now, um, uh, I, took a, I took a number of our ministries leaders with me on a trip to America yeah. to Brother Jerry. Yeah. And, and, I, and that was a, a special assignment that the Lord had me do. And I went and I sat in Brother Jerry's boardroom and I said, Brother Jerry, I want you to know that the strength of my sons, the strength of my ministry is yours to command. So uh, if you need anything, you call on it. So he didn't didn't say much at that time. Um, um, 
But he gave, he gave a message. He had a prophetic word that day or the day before. And he took us into his private Bible study room. Yeah. And he showed us where that morning God had written, had spoken to mm. him and he had written the prophetic word yeah. down for the next year. So I went and I asked the Lord, what must I do with that? And then the Lord said, I want you to separate. And so ultimately I separated myself for 40 days um, to hear from from God what I must do with with the word, you know. And in that 40 days, having thinking that God was gonna deal with me, God started to deal with me about praying more for Brother Jerry and beginning to to talk to me more about Brother Jerry than about me, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that was a surprise to me, and, and it became a journey where we started to pray much more as a church for him yeah. than for me yeah. or for the ministry. Yeah. We started to pray for him. Yeah. Cut a long story short, Brother Jerry was supposed to come and visit our church at one particular year, and then, and then he went he had to stay at home for an operation. And of course, when he, when he comes and visits, we would have given him a significant offering because yeah. yeah. it, it works that way. <laughs> yeah. you know? And um, the Lord said, I want you to give him the same offering as if he would have come to South Africa. I wow. want you to give him the same offering wow. and see it as a seed. And at the time I said to the church, um, actually, I feel like the, and the, and the Lord gave me this phrase then, give an irrational honor seed. Sure. Give an irrational honor seed. Sure. In other words, there's honor and then there's irrational, irrational honor. So it makes no sense to give somebody a seed that hasn't even come. Yeah. You know. So what are you saying then if you give them the seed? Well, we value your gift. We value who you are in our lives. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't matter if you came or not. The seed that you would have given us, sure. we are we are giving the seed to you. Yeah. And the strangest thing happened. I had a f- number in my heart in yeah. US dollars that we wanted to bless him with. And uh, I think it was with with thirty days still to go yeah. for us to take the seed to America. Yeah. Which is a whole different story. I won't tell today. But we we had already met the number. Yeah. Now, he hadn't come to preach, yeah. but we'd already met that number yeah. in US dollars. Just before we left, we doubled it. Sure. The people in the church, their giving had doubled the number in US dollars. By the time we got to America and were ready to give him the seed, we had tripled it. <laughs> oh. And I can tell you the first number was not a small number in Zwandile. <laughs> it was a huge number. Oh. And so we had tripled it. And so when we took the seed and we gave him the seed, he, he said, this morning I was, was in, in prayer and the Lord gave me a word for you and for the church at home. And that word unlocked many things in our lives. And so if I have to, if I have to say to you right now, what is my relationship with Brother Jerry? I would say irrational honor. It's the best way that I can describe it. It's so irrational that oh. on, on, on two or three occasions in the last number of years, I've gone to his ministry, yeah. paid for my own ticket, yeah. paid for my expenses, and just said, Brother Jerry, I want to be near you. Yeah. I want to be around you. 
you don't have to take me anywhere. You know, I'm not coming to preach. Yeah. I'm not coming to minister. Yeah. I'm just coming to hang out with you. Yeah. So the first time I did it was for five weeks. Yeah. Then the next year I did it for seven weeks. Sure. And it's like, who does that? <laughs> you know, especially when you've got your own ministry and it's all growing fine and doing well. And why do you want to go and just... And you, I literally would wake up in a day, and I don't know what the day's gonna, you know. Yeah. And he didn't either. Sure. And then he'd call me, seven o'clock in the morning. He said, "John, let's go for coffee." <laughs> and then we'd end up having wonderful conversations, and then we might, he might call me into the studio, and then, and then he decided <laughs> on his own, come and let's do a television yeah. broadcast together. And then on the second time, you know, they did an amazing thing. They had an interview with Brother Kenneth Copeland. Wow to celebrate Brother Jerry's 50 years of ministry. They asked Brother Copeland to come to his ministry. Wow. The two daughters, so the Brother Copeland's daughter and Brother Jerry's daughter arranged it, yeah. that they would have this very, very private day-long time together. Wow. I happened to be in America <laughs> at the time. So, brother, sure. no one's invited on purpose. Sure. No one's invited in Zwadili. Not sure. even brother Joe McCroskey, who is bro- he's brother Jerry's cousin, who's been already in his ministry serving him for more than 40 years. Wow. It's not invited. Wow. On the morning that brother Copeland comes, brother Jerry comes to my, to my uh, apartment that I'm staying in. And he says, John, I want you with me today. I said, brother Jerry. This is this is big. He says, "No, I've had to I've had to pull a few strings here." <laughs> you know, he said, "I want you to hang out with us wow. today." And so here I am. Aside from the camera people, there's no one else there. Wow. And so except me. Wow. And so I have I have on my phone video material of Brother Jerry and Brother Copeland having wow. private moments together. Wow. Um, you know, re- reminiscing about fifty years, talking about stuff about them because I had irrational honor honor. for Brother Jerry that took me there to just hang out with him for seven weeks. Mm. You know, I was there in a moment that happened so quickly because of all their schedules and all that. It happened so quickly and I was there and he invited me. And so the irrational honor Honor. is still the way I live, you know, which means I can't be offended by him. There's nothing that he can do that can upset me or or, or separate us, you know. Sure. Um, Lots of words. <laughs> Apologies for talking. No, no, no. I know. We'll possibly <laughs> see how we do the editing, but yes. there's just so much anointing here, which I don't want to take lightly. Mm. And I just want to press in a bit, just for a few last moments before we pre- we just close it, um, especially around the space of honor and how and what it's done for you, which has had a ripple effect on the relationships around you. What would you say to someone who is pursuing a relationship similar to yourself? Um, What are some of the things, because honor speaks of the recognition of difference, being able to recognize that difference. And you spoke about how nothing he does can ever offend you. There's no room for you to even terminate the relationship until God says so. You also spoke about praying for him. And I just would like you just to speak around that space of how praying for your spiritual authority somewhat connects you to the heart. I think Pastor Christine Bible School once shared something so profound. My wife actually came back and she was blown as to how you only as close to your pastor as you are to the word that he teaches um maybe just speaking around that to empower those who want to honor but don't know practically how to go about it so my wife actually um 
inadvertently, I suppose one could say, um, gave me a key and unlocked a key in our ministry many years ago. And so what she in her natural life, just as her natural pers- mm-hmm. personality, she's a scribe. Yeah. She writes everything down. She's got she's got books, she's got files. Yeah. I mean, we don't have enough space to actually put all the <laughs> files over all the years, you know. Um, so, I mean, she naturally writes things down and she's very organized and very focused and disciplined with the way she, she actually um, makes notes of things. And so at a particular season in our ministry, you know, I was, I was really always stimulated by God to promote her and to give her chance because she naturally didn't want to she wanted to stand back but she's got a gift and I kept promoting her gift at a stage the Lord said to her I want you to transcribe everything that Pastor John her her husband me is saying so she actually would literally sit down with my messages after I preached them and she would transcribe them word for word wow and so what happened is that when, when she would s- sit in a meeting and she would say things, she would read from the transcribed notes. And so what began to happen is that other people, where would you get that? And they would ask her to send notes to them. And so other people began to realize the value of understanding a message by transcribing the message. Hmm. It's interesting that even this last week, I, I listened to a... I listened to a speech in America by a, 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 a person who got a, a global recognition for a documentary mm-hmm. that she did. And she talked about her research on the documentary and her research on, she did, I think, 100 hours of talking to people, which she recorded on video too. Mm-hmm. But she recorded conversations that were 100 hours. Mm-hmm. And she went through the 100 hours afterwards and transcribed everything. She did it personally. And this is what she said. You'd, you'd, you, uh, the closest you will ever get to understanding someone is when you transcribe what they say. Yeah. And she was meaning to say that, actually, I couldn't have done this documentary mm. if I hadn't transcribed what I interviewed the people with because I brought my own bias, I brought mm. my own agenda, yeah. I brought my own my own barriers yeah. to the conversation. Yeah. Fortunately, as a, as a journalist, as somebody that was trying to understand, I didn't, uh, I let them talk yeah. so that afterwards yeah. I could transcribe it. Yeah. And, and then my journey really began sure. is afterwards. So I say that to people who you touch, yeah. people who you connect with, yeah. If they are going to a conference, if they're going to a seminar, if they're going to a church, yeah. the, the question's got to be, why am I here? Yeah. You know, yeah. So if they're, at, if they're a church, why am I here? Mm. If I'm here listening to a preacher, to a yeah. pastor, why am I here? Yeah. I'm here to hear what God's saying to you and through you yeah. as a messenger. Yeah. So it's not a, it's so much about what you say, it's about what God's saying through you. Because wow. you're just the messenger, right? Wow. I mean, yeah. what, what value am I to anybody yeah. if I'm not a messenger yeah. of God? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So, okay, so that's what God's saying through the gift, through the messenger. Mm. That's what God's saying. Mm. 
And what happens is that actually people begin to have honor for what God is saying yeah. through, the, through the vessel. Yeah. And because I have an irrational honor for Brother Jerry, yeah. people have observed my life that it's real. Yeah. It's not fake. <laughs> yeah. They've observed me doing it mm. when he visits here, when I go there. Mm. And so the result is that I don't ever have to ask anybody to honor me. Wow. And I don't expect honor. <laughs> yeah. But I get it. <laughs> wow. I get it because, because of my honor wow. that I give. So I so honor mm. and I reap honor. Sure. And so that's why I find that so many people that have positional authority expect honor mm. because of the, so they expect honor for their position. Mm. I don't expect honor for my position. Yeah. Uh, I, I only say, if you want to honor me, then the, the honor is in your heart. I have no expectation for honor. Wow. I only have something that I can contribute to the relationship. Yeah. If honor's in your heart, then God's put it there. So. Wow. 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 Um, maybe your parting thoughts. Um, this was just incredible. It was really, really, really amazing. Um, thank you for speaking from your heart. Thank and you for asking me. <laughs> and you. part of what I'm going to do is transcribe yes. this podcast uh, to connect more with your heart. You've really shared so many powerful germs. And uh, I, for one, my wife, uh, fortunately, she's part of the recording in studio. I just keep seeing her nodding and you're just affirming a lot of things that we are pursuing and trying to do, honoring our spiritual leaders and just living a life of honor. And you spoke practically. I think one of the things that you've done is to speak. It's, it's something else when you see someone who lives it and when they actually speak as mm. to where it comes from. So mm. thank you so much for that. Uh, maybe your parting thoughts um, before we conclude and close off our podcast of this beautiful day. Thank you. I, I, I just say, you know, um, if there is, if there is a, a particular part of the Word of God that you that you know that you live well, yeah. then I would say to anybody, have some place where you connect with God yeah. and live it well. Yeah. Because in that place where you live it well, that becomes the personal leadership springboard for you. Yeah. And so it might only be one place, and for me it was only one place. Yeah. It, for me it was, I must love my wife yeah. and I must be faithful at church. Yeah. You know, that was where it was for me. Yeah. That's where I knew I could connect with God in those two spaces. Yeah. yeah. I, I learned a lesson a long time ago in, 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 in concluding, you know, a lot of people want to have a very broad sphere of influence. But my influence really in the body of Christ and in people's lives started because when they looked at my marriage, and they saw how good my marriage was. They came to me and they said, will you help me with my marriage? Okay. Will you help me? Will you help me? Yeah. And as a result of all these people asking me, when I wasn't a pastor, wow. I mean, I was, I was in leadership in the church. I was a home cell leader and, 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 mm. I was, uh, and, and, and I was becoming an elder in the church at the time <laughs> and, and I eventually kept, went on the, on the board of the church. But, but I wasn't a pastor. Yeah. But people just looked at my marriage and said, we want what you've got. Yeah. Can you help us? Yeah. Can you tell us what's, what's going on? And so that influence 
started because of what they saw. Yeah. And it was just one thing. I wasn't trying to say, I've got all the answers yeah. of everything, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so for someone who's at school, for someone who's in college, for someone who's in work, there is an area that you can excel at it with in God. Yeah. Then let that be something of excellence. excellence yeah. Let it grow. Yeah. And then you'll find, actually, that's where the personal leadership brings you into public leadership. Wow. It creates a platform for you. Wow. And then, and then you, you are far more likely to actually live a purposeful life, life. when that happens. So I know you asked to close, but, <laughs> but I'm going to just say before you close, and I know you want to have the final <laughs> words here, but, but I want to say to you, Nzwandili, thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Thank you for, for having me share my heart, and, and I appreciate what you're doing for the Lord Jesus, and uh, keep Keep serving him, keep loving him, and uh, and I pray that uh, your life continues to be full of blessing. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Pastor John. Thank you. Um, words cannot articulate the honor that we have for you, and we truly appreciate taking time and adding value to our podcast family. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to all the podcast family uh, for sticking it through till the end. Uh, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Uh, for the podcast episode notes, uh, head, head over to www.mzwandilemakakola.com and you will receive the transcribed episode notes, which will help you with applying the content in your life practically. Till we meet again, let's continue to change the world one individual at a time. Well, thank you for joining us on Take Your Lead Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can get new episodes delivered directly to your device as soon as we release the new episode. And for show notes on today's episode and on previous episodes, just go to www.nzwandilemakakula.com. And if you're a fan of the show, we would love it if you'd give us a review and help us spread the word. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Take Your Lead Podcast.